Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of commercial-free five-yard rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Yo, 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 Rush Nation. It's the fourth show of the week. Fourth time lucky, four's a charm. I'm just talking random stuff now. It's been one hell of a day. Started by uh, getting tickets. Lucky enough to be able to. Me and Murph, we both got tickets today. Several of our friends we know didn't. Several of our friends we know did. But I know you're there, big man. It's been one hell of a day. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, all good. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a fiasco with the tickets. Didn't know, didn't think it was going to happen for a while. Um, but we we got there in the end. We got our tickets. We're going together, which is going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, some of our friends got tickets. I know a lot of the Bucks UK guys got tickets, which I'm really pleased for them to see their team. And you know, some of those guys were brilliant because. I was sort of the last one in the group to, to, to get the tickets and loads of people were trying to, to get tickets for us and uh, like mad respect for um, them queuing up extra to try and get us tickets. Luckily we got there and we got them done. So massive shout out to the guys in the Bucks UK Facebook group. Um, it's a private messenger group. So it's not really like a group on Facebook and it's about 10 of us in there. It's mad respect to 
uh, I'm not going to remember all your names, Johnny, uh, Sukdeep and, and Samuel and, and everyone else and Matt and everyone else because you guys were, were brilliant today as I wasn't getting tickets and, and you guys offered the help and I really appreciate it. So I wanted to just say thank, thanks for that. Wicked. Yeah. Well, respect, boys. Thanks very much for trying to hook us up. Uh, we were lucky enough said to get them. I know some people didn't and uh, some of the stuff flying about on Twitter is absolutely ludicrous, but we won't dive into that today because we are pressed for time somewhat. Let's introduce today's guest. It's author of Today in NFL History. He's a reoccurring guest on the NFL show with Matt Coombs. It's Ben Isaac. Ben, thanks for coming on Live Yard Rush. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. My pleasure to be here. Oh, thanks for coming on. We've been looking forward to it. Yeah, we've been talking for a while. Really good to, to have you on here and uh, chat ball. It's uh, been long overdue. Yeah, long last. I feel like um, we've been chatting away on Twitter for ages and uh, finally this is happening. So, Ben, you're here to talk about your book. Um, before, before we dive into that, how did you get into media and journalism and then sports media? As a kid, I just loved kind of any sort of creative thing. I used to, even like from the age of about seven, I remember kind of trying to make my own little magazines i was obsessed with making magazines it's something i realized now that i always wanted to do um even though when i was like seven or eight i thought well obviously i'm going to try to be an nfl quarterback and if that fails i'll figure something else out um, and i was in university doing kind of tv production stuff and i just kind of fell into the journalism side partly because it was easier but i was in i ended up in contact with um, a journalist called andrew emery who I only discovered recently is a Chicago Bears fan and he's a big NFL fan. But back then in the, in the 90s, he was writing for a magazine called Hip Hop Connection. Um, I was writing a lot about music. He got me work. And that then, I was still in university, that then opened doors um, when it came to getting a full-time job. And I joined the Press Association, writing me about television. I was always writing about sport on the side. I was then sport editor at Shortlist, and that was the, the uh, biggest circulation men's magazine in the country at the time. And I got to go to the NFL draft, kind of college football road trips and things like this. And I've just, it's, it's never been, writing just about sports has never been my kind of nine to five. It's always been kind of fitting around or as part of my nine to five. And it's just great. I get the opportunity to do that. But a lot of it is luck. If anyone out there is trying to make a living out of journalism, it's mostly luck, honestly. It's a theme of today, luck, I suppose. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've mentioned the Bears a couple of times. I presume that means you're a Bears fan. Yeah, since um, since 84, um, I was six. And the first team I saw on TV was the Bears. I'm guessing they must have won. I've got no recollection of kind of anything that happened in that Channel 4 broadcast. And I then watched, I was always allowed to stay up late, no matter what. Um, clearly, I've had terrible parents. And I ended up staying up late to watch Super Bowl 19, or at least the start of Super Bowl 19. And they used to kick off a little bit earlier back in those days. But I stayed up to watch the start of it. And that was probably only the second time I'd seen the NFL. And then I watched bits and pieces during the 85 season. And I saw some of the Super Bowl. And I thought, oh my God, the Chicago Bears are the greatest team ever and they're going to just win non-stop Super Bowls now. I am going to hitch my wagon to the Chicago Bears and enjoy a Super Bowl victory every year. And that hasn't quite worked out. <laughs> um, and now I've and now I've inflicted the Chicago Bears on my daughter 
she's meant to be coming with me to the Bears game in London as a junior reporter um, for the Week Junior magazine. Um, so she's going to get her first taste of the NFL in the flesh. She loves the Bears. We're a big Bear household. That is incredible. <laughs> I love that. What a way to take your daughter to... Is it her first game, Ben? No, it's her third NFL. She's seven. It'll be her third NFL game. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, she's been to Wembley with me a couple of times in a corporate box, I'll have to admit. Um, these, again, the kind of perks of journalism. Um, but yeah, she wants to go and see a game in Chicago. Um, and obviously we know that going in the US is an amazing experience. So I'll, I'll treat her to that one day. Oh, lucky girl. Lucky girl. Well, I need to get writing or something, or this needs to take me further. I think. <laughs> um, so you've got an interest in college football and NFL and also the history of the game. Where, mm. where did that spur from? Um, I think it's because when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, people kept buying me American football stuff. Once they knew I was into it, you know, aunties and uncles or whoever would be like, oh, you know, he likes that, get this. And I ended up with lots of, lots of books and lots of them would have stuff about the history of the game. And I just, even if it was just looking at the old photos, I loved seeing how the game had changed, how the uniforms had changed, the stadiums had changed. I had a, I had a book. Um, I've still got the book. It was a history of the Chicago bears that came out in about 1986. I found it a bit dry, but seeing the pictures, seeing all the players and seeing kind of the results season to season, it just, it, it fascinated me. It felt like the NFL was this, was this big thing, but it had this, it had this beautiful history that all kind of tied in together. And it was, it was sort of neat in that it had its starting point in 1920 and you can kind of put it all together. And obviously we can put on seasons together this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think once people know that you have an interest in stuff, they tend to take more interest in you having that interest. And I know yeah. like, people, like you say, people have bought me stuff that wouldn't necessarily have bought me stuff. I mean, my wife's auntie and uncle, they bought me a Denver Broncos pint glass for my birthday. <laughs> and yeah. that would never have happened. if They wouldn't have just bought you a pint glass. That's the thing. No, no they definitely wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got the same thing because uh, everyone struggles with what to get me. It's my, it's my birthday next week, actually. And uh, people always struggle to, to think about what to get me because I, I, I i'm one of these people i don't really like ask for things like if i really want something i, I just go and get it and my wife's get me the ticket for the bucks game this year because obviously they're my team and who i support so you know she couldn't think of anything better to get me and to be fair it's a great present i'll enjoy so um it normally always categorizes in some form of nfl merchandise some form of football merchandise uh or beer or whiskey and that's pretty much the only presence I ever get these days. <laughs> it's literally like the same thing. So I, I get that. I think it's just um, people see you got an interest in something and just get you involved in it and just think, oh, well, you're like that. But it's always some of the most random things that you think, what am I supposed to do with this? Like um, like armbands. And someone got me as a secret Santa, no word of a lie, got me an Arsenal lunchbox that you'd give to like a five-year-old. But it wasn't like a plastic box. It was like the... It's like the little lunch bag that you get, like like you take it to school if you're five or six. And it was a Secret Santa gift, and I was 33, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't really know what to do with that." So I regifted that. So um, I'm not sure if my friend James uh, listens to this, but if he does, and I gave that to your kid for his Christmas present, that's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but he's five, so he can enjoy it. Use it properly, I think the term is. <laughs> uh, two, two, two things on that, Matt. First one, I did not struggle for your birthday. I didn't even ask you. I just went out and smashed it. And secondly, I didn't know you were a whiskey fan. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the pub days. I've got an incredible artisan maple whiskey tucked away in the cupboard, which I'll bring down for the next podcast. How about that? Amazing. I've got some beers here that I've been meeting. Or take it to the game. Yeah, take whiskey to the game. I always have a hip fast somewhere. I've got some whiskey. I've got some beers on my desk I've been meaning to bring to the podcast for ages, and they just haven't moved. So remind me of that. But going back to, we've come massively off topic, which I'm not surprised at for a second. Um, I mean, the book, the book's on now. Uh, like, it's out now to buy. We'll, we'll get onto the book in just a moment. But I mean, how, how does it feel to actually sort of have it out for people to you know to read and to to enjoy and, and consume it's it's a relief um but it's been the whole thing has just been at, the, at this point of it it's been more stressful than i than i thought just having to kind of finally submit it and let go of it was really stressful it was like sending um sending a child off to school but you're not actually going to walk them to school you're just pushing them out the door and closing it and they're like five or something it it felt like I was never ready to fully let go of it. So it's weird now it's kind of out in the world and the idea that, you know, people might be judging it. I mean, thankfully people have liked it, but it's it it's I've been producing magazines and been writing features freelance for so many years. And this is the first thing that I felt kind of nervous about when it was out there for the public. Yeah, we had um, Joe Pizapir on yesterday and he was talking about his black book and how he couldn't wait for it to hit the streets because it was an immense amount of work. And I imagine it's the same thing for you. If finally, when it does squeak onto the, the shelves and you think, ah, oh, there's nothing else I can do now. Let's just see how it goes. It must be quite a feeling. Yeah, yeah. It was it was lovely to kind of hit sort of off my plate in terms of kind of constantly working on it. It's... Um, you know, you've got to you've got to promote it and things like that, but it's nothing like having to constantly be typing away and making changes and all that sort of stuff. You know, this is this is the fun part because at the end of writing it, it any fun had long disappeared. <laughs> oh God! Well, well, we'll get onto the book in a moment because uh, you you were kind enough to give us an advance copy, and we were both very privileged to read that. So. Uh, we'll get onto it in a moment, but I want to um, just delve a little bit into we're a fantasy football podcast and uh, want to find out your plans for 2019 fantasy in terms of how many leagues you're going to be planning to to play in this year. Well, you won't like this, but it might be zero. Um, the last two years, because I've been working on the book, I, I avoided fantasy. I thought I don't I don't need that in my life while I've taken on this mammoth project um so it's been it's been something that i've still spent time talking about in fact um the podcast you did with mike carlson the other week and he was talking about uh someone on the production team at talk sport yeah this is this is my experience of turning up for that show you are then instantly asked ah who do i need to start in my flex and it's i i kind of enjoy getting involved in that i'm glad i still was able to kind of keep my hand in even when I, I took a step back from it. And I, I was actually in the, when Mike Carlson finally got talked into doing um, fantasy NFL and that fantasy baseball thing he was talking about, which I got bored of in like two weeks, I was there with him and he's trying to make trades like just every day. He's offering trades to people every single day. And that's quite stressful 
because you because it's Mike Carlson I think oh he's like some sort of genius um he'll know something and I'd never want to do a trade with him because I think he's gonna pull the wool over my eyes he's gonna know something I don't know he'll have spoken to this guy's position coach at high school just randomly and he'll know something so I was like I, I I can't I can't do that and uh, he used to, he used to say how you know he'd he'd feel he'd get too involved in it and he'd find it too stressful, um, and I I thought that was that was silly, and then I saw it happen to him, and then I saw it happen to me, and how stressed I'd get on a Sunday, and how annoyed I would get when when my team would lose and feel really aggrieved by it. But um, I'll probably be back. I'll probably be back this year um, because it obviously adds an extra dimension. Yeah, it, it really does, and I think it helps people's knowledge of the game. And on top of that, I think, I think in this country, I think it, it's very different. Like we, we've launched four listener leagues that are very nearly full, and uh, we'll probably lose some more. And I think it, people in the UK are almost struggling to get into uh, leagues because they don't know enough people, like in their friendship group, to get into it. So we do have some leagues that are more community-based. So if you're looking for like a more friendly like sort of community, just chat to people and it'd be slightly less stressful. We've got, we've got some leagues for you I think you might like. <laughs> I mean, I should say the, the stress definitely comes from within rather than um, people in my league causing me stress. It's very much uh, my own kind of mental deficiencies making me stressed over something that like, me thinking that people I'll, I'll be completely honest of what it what it comes down to for me i would i would lose a game and i would think people are going to be looking at me like how can people pay him money to write or talk about the nfl when he's just lost this week why didn't he start so and so why did he start that person what sort of idiot is this how can he make a living from this that is what that is what stressed me it's that I mean that's all on me because I've never I've played in media leagues I've never beaten anyone and thought huh, how can they make a living from this you know <laughs> I mean I've I'll have I'll have beaten Mike Carlson in a kind of head to head and I would never think like oh, maybe he doesn't know his stuff so yeah I totally get that <laughs> I mean I, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a similar thing it's a similar thing for you because um, if you create a fantasy podcast then you will have an image among people as, oh, these people are fancy experts. And if you lose, it's like, well, how can we trust them now? How can we listen to their podcast? Maybe I'm putting that idea in people's heads now. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's fine. I mean, try trading with people in the league that you started the podcast about. You get, you get seven weeks into the season, you're six and one, and the people are turning around saying, well, hang on a minute. I'm not trading with him. He's going to, Steal my best players for nothing. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. The way I see it now, when when you play in a league, uh, winning is it's kind of the gloss comes off it a little bit because it's kind of like everyone just it, not expects you, but the pressure's on you to do it. So, but I don't care. I still enjoy it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I think you've got to go out there to do it. And and listen, I, it's it's like poker. The best players in 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 the world at poker will only win you know, less than 10% of the time. Like that, that's the odds of it because the amount of times mm. they play and there's variables well outside of the control of playing fantasy football, playing poker. You, you are following a process that isn't perfect 
and even if it is perfect it's in the hands of humans so <laughs> you can yeah. lay out a perfect process but humans aren't perfect so it, you know at the end of the day you can do everything right and finish four and eight four and ten like it, that's perfectly plausible outcome so I don't think if you have bad seasons, it, it makes you bad at fantasy football. It just is a case of maybe retaking, you know, retweaking your process and seeing what you do. But at the end of the day, someone has to win and eight, 10 or seven, nine or 11 or more other people have to lose. So uh, yeah, the outcomes always going to fall on, on anything. And what I also like is I played in the league last year and, uh, a guy who'd never played fantasy football made the final. He'd never played it before. Didn't really know what he was doing. He just picked names based on gut and made the final. It wasn't really a process. That, and that's the same as poker. Rookies can win all the time. So That doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying, but okay. <laughs> no, well, you, to be fair, today, this was a much better effort than the last two days where you've just put me to the sword, basically. But it's it's been fun, I suppose, this week. Maybe next week we'll just have niceties as opposed to you comparing me to the aging Drew Brees and losing my fantasy final. I know I wasn't in it, but to somebody who basically picked horses because they like the jerseys. God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your book, Ben. What, what, what was the inspiration behind it? Um, I always like seeing those um, kind of tweets and posts about kind of this happened on this day uh, on all sorts of subjects. Like I've, my wife bought me a uh, book, um, called i think like on this day in hip-hop history or something and i thought oh there must be an nfl equivalent of this and i searched and there wasn't there wasn't a website that had everything you'd find kind of some websites would do it occasionally and team websites and team twitter accounts would do it and i thought oh this should be a book that has on this day in nfl history for every single day of the year and I realized that the reason that there wasn't one is that it's just insanely difficult to do. And it's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> Being a stupid person, I'd already started the process. So I, so I carried it on, basically. Um, I realized that it's very easy from even, say, the point when uh, preseason starts through to um, the first week of February you've got plenty of stuff. There's something that you can cover something interesting or significant for every single calendar day at that time. Once you get to like February the 8th, then things get tricky and you've got to go all the way through to August. And that's where, that's, that's where the hardest work is to find thing. I mean, you could just, you could put anything really, but it would be just boring as hell. So to find the interesting things um, was the was the challenge for the off season, such as it is. Do you have a date that was the hardest to fill? Um, oh, I don't remember what it was, but yes, there was one that um, for months and months and months, I was holding out hope that I would just stumble across something. And I hope that perhaps it would even happen that year. Like it would be um, whatever the date was in 2018, that it would be something that happened. And I'd be like, oh, right, great. I can, you know, I can put that in. It didn't. And it was then just kind of re-going through the research. I would basically go through news archives and just pour through the dates, 
prioritize certain dates and kind of let's say go through an ESPN news archive or Sports Illustrated news archive and just it was a really laborious process going through I'd also kind of cross-referenced significant or interesting players um days that they were born or days that they died um but that's a really that's a really good question there was there was one and I clearly blocked out what I put in its place I remember there being one date that was one of the last ones to be filled. And then there were two really good things to put in that place, uh-huh. um, which is like, okay, well, cause a, a lot of these days there are more than one event. You know, I'm covering 366 days cause I've got February 29th, but there's not 366 entries. I've, there's probably about 700. So um, there are plenty of days. I mean, you know, there were, there were days where there have been multiple Super Bowls through the years on that particular date, for example. Um, and there was a lot of good stuff that I just didn't put in because I thought at some point this, this book has to end. You know, it's, it's down as being 616 pages, which is, <laughs> it's, you know, it's massive, which is, why it's, um, which is basically why it's on the Kindle because you don't want to be kind of breaking your back carrying it. Someone said to me, oh, it'd be great as a coffee table book. And I thought, I'm not sure a coffee table could support the weight of it as a coffee table book. Because you'd have sort of like one one entry for each page or like a spread with a glossy picture on. It would be humongous. So, yeah. Oh, stressful just thinking about I, it. I, I know who wrote that comment. That comment came from Iron Mike himself. He wrote, he tweeted you that. That's why I remember it. Oh uh, well, no, he yeah, he said he wanted it to be a physical book, which and then someone I kind of ruled that some time ago. Uh, but somebody had said to me um, before that that it would be perfect as a coffee table book. To be honest, when I first envisaged it, I loved the idea of it being 366 pages or double that. Um, with a glossy picture for each one, and it would be a short entry for each thing. Realise that it, it can't happen. If you did just one thing for each day, you'd have to you'd miss out loads of Super Bowls, and it would be, you know, I wanted every Super Bowl in there, every NFL championship in there. So, yeah, oh, no coffee table book, sadly. I'll be honest though, even though it is that long, it's over 600 pages. It doesn't read like it's over 600 pages because it's so no. broken down in terms of like the, the way that the games go and you can just sort of pick it up and flick through and it, you know, they're quite short paragraphs and there's lots of breaks. So, you know, in, in terms of the fact if it, it turns really easily and I, I, I blitzed it through in about 10, 12 days, I think. And, you know, I, I wouldn't normally read a, a book of that length that quickly. So it, it does really turn really, really quickly and easily. Yeah. I mean, it's something that when you're reading it, you don't get, you know, I've read some long novels often through work and I've got to finish them. So I can't just give up on them. And sometimes you are kind of, you get, you might be 150 pages in and you think there's still so much to go and this hasn't really grabbed me. This story isn't moving as I would like, but with, with a book like this if there's an entry and you think i'm not that interested in it well if you aren't just skip it or if you aren't particularly enjoying that entry well the next one's going to be completely different anyway it's not you know and unless you're reading it you think do you know what i don't actually like the nfl i'm not going to read the rest of this (laughs) then that's the only situation and obviously the question would be asked why on earth have you started reading a 616 page book on the nfl if you don't like the nfl I know this is going to be some claim. If you like the NFL, you will like this book. I swear to God, that's true. 
I, I back that up. You you really will. And <laughs> you know, it's not just it's not just NFL. It's pre NFL. There's CFL entries in there. There's Pro Bowl. There's uh, and you've got what well, I, I, the entry on my birthday, uh, June eleventh, two thousand five, is Amsterdam wins World Ball thirteen. People, exactly. People love to go and look um, at their birthday, and um, some of those kind of summer and spring months. The fact that the USFL existed, the fact that the World League slash NFL Europe existed, was a costly. I was like trying to put these dates in, and I realised. They aren't, they aren't filler. This is, this is part of what made the NFL what it is today. NFL Europe had its, had its place within that. Every World Bowl had some sort of significance to the NFL, and as did the USFL and the XFL in its own way. They all did something that helped shape the league as we know it in 2019. Yeah, it, it does. And it, it, you're exactly right. It, it definitely and it comes across that way. And there's so many events I wasn't really aware of and was like, yeah, okay, that's amazing. Like that, that I can see where it's got a massive impact. And I, I went and read some uh, some extra pieces. I think I was telling you as I was reading it, they're like, oh, I went away and I read a bit more about this because didn't know anything about it. And I think that's that's my favorite part of it is it's because it's not like a novel. You can put it down and then go read more about that same thing. And it doesn't ruin what you're going to read later on. Like it's a good like starting point to go, that's amazing. I want to go and read more on that. Or um, I went, I think I was talking about this with, with I Mike on the pod and I was saying that, you know, there was certain entries we were talking about the Seahawks uh, when they muffed from four from one uh, on the one and uh, you know, they muffed that, that play and I was saying, well, I read that in your book and, and then I went and watched it because it brings back so many memories for me. I think that's what I love about it is the games that you've watched or you've got some attachment to, you read about it in the book and it makes you want to go on YouTube and watch some clips and, and brings you back those, those personal memories, which I, I also really loved about the, the book. It kind of takes you down memory lane, which I think is amazing. And the way that you bring it together is, is fantastic. I mean, yeah, when I, when I was working on it, I would end up going down kind of like rabbit holes on YouTube where I'd be kind of watching something to write about it. And then it would be like, oh, and I've also got to watch highlights of this other classic game from the same 1986 season or whatever, just because it kind of just, you know, it opens you up to like, well, I want more of that. And I want to kind of get that sort of like, it presses the nostalgia button. And I hope that as well, people, people will read something um, from kind of well before their time and think, oh, I want to, I, I want to know more about that. You know, like, oh, I want to know more about the Pottsville Maroons, for example, who were cheated out on NFL championship. And, you know, there's, there's, I'm hoping that there are entries in there that are kind of starting points for people to explore more and develop an even wider interest because there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of fans um, of the NFL who will have only been watching the game say five years and they've fallen in love with it and they want more and more and more and this I feel is an accessible way to just find out lots of things about the NFL whether it's you know stuff from like some stuff from the 1920s how it all started um you know the the dawn of the super bowl era or if it's somebody kind of trying to cheat in a urine test you know there's just all these little things that kind of bring it all together that hopefully people will just even if it's like right i'm going to spend half an hour on youtube watching highlights of barry sanders because he was before my time and i want to see what the fuss is about because you know you've got to see the guy 
No, I 100% agree with what you said about if you're new to the game, picking this up and just learning a little bit about the past because I've only been really interested sort of five or six years and this book is brilliant. And the way that I think it is brilliant is if you only want to read one day or two days at a time, you can dive in and out and it's not like you need a bookmark. You just have to remember the date. Yeah. So whether it was like the 1st of January or the 17th of December, if you just remember you did that day, you know where you were and you can just dive straight back in for another quick read or... I, I do have to point out that my birthday is the 18th of April and not a lot happened on my birthday. But on the 19th of April, possibly one of the craziest things ever happened in the NFL draft in 1999 and the Saints trading all their picks for one pick. But I won't, I won't ruin that. Don't read it, guys. It's absolutely it's ludicrous, the fact that happened. But I, I won't ruin this story. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited at the idea because like, you know, this, is, this is something that I vividly remember. Um, but there will be loads of people who will get to something and think, what? Yeah. I <laughs> How did, who signed off on this? I, I had somebody say to me, what? The Green Bay Packers used to play half their games in Milwaukee until the 1990s. Like, yeah, they almost, the whole history of the Green Bay Packers, they've been on the verge of leaving Green Bay. And it's really only in the mid 90s where it's like, okay, we're definitely staying in Green Bay. And, you know, you think of them as perhaps the most established team in NFL history. And yet they were one of the most insecure teams in the league for decades. And people wouldn't necessarily think of that. But I remember watching games on Channel 4 when I was a kid and there would be Bears-Packers games in Milwaukee because it was a, it was a better stadium for a long time. It was, you know, weird things that just seem completely forgotten by most people or just people are unaware. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. So after the uh, April the 19th debacle, what was your biggest takeaway from writing the book? Um, I think it was that it really feels like you can kind of draw a line from um, the meeting in 1920 that set up the league through to now. It doesn't feel completely disjointed. You've got these constants, even if it's just the, the Cardinals and the Bears were the, the only two teams that exist now that were in that very first season. But that helps just bring it all together, that as teams have kind of joined and left the league, there has still been a constant in that there were, there were you know, the, the Bears and Cardinals, or Decade Bailey's, um, and the Cardinals would have played in that first season, and that they've, in effect, been playing ever since. And it really brought home how the NFL is a, a big living, breathing thing that keeps evolving, but it's still that same thing. You know, even when it went from NFL championship to Super Bowl, it's still one thing. And I, I like the neatness of that, that it is one thing. I, I kind of, uh, I dig that. That's a great thing as well that we've all come to love immensely. Probably too much if you ask my wife, but it's double trouble then. Um, are there any events that you didn't know happened prior to writing that may have had a massive impact on the NFL? And then also, do you have a favourite event that made it into the book? Um, I would say an event that I wasn't aware of um, would be uh, this is December 14th, 1930. Uh, the New York Giants played a charity game against a team of Notre Dame All-Stars. The, the plan was that they would host this, host this big game in New York and the money would be given 
to needy families in New York. The Great Depression was having a huge effect on the whole of America. And this idea had been put to the giants. So they were trying to figure out who to play. And a journalist suggested Notre Dame because that was the biggest team in college football. And probably the biggest team in sport at that time, other than, say, the New York Yankees. So they couldn't, they couldn't have it that they played um, the actual college team because they just finished their season and the coach felt they were not going to be physically up to it. So he brought together a team of all-stars. And the general public felt that at this time, college football was superior to the NFL, that a good college team would definitely beat a good NFL team. And all of a sudden, this became, instead of just a, uh, a way to raise money during the Great Depression, it was a litmus test for the NFL. Does the NFL even need to exist if college football is so good? So Newt Rockney, legendary coach of Notre Dame, he put together this team, included um, the four horsemen, who were four players who, in the four seasons they played with Newt Rockney, Notre Dame lost just two games. Two games in four years they lost. So he put this team together that was probably better than his current team. And he was very confident that they were going to win. And the Giants were absolutely bricking it. They even, they fired their coach because the, the players approached the owner and said, this coach cannot beat Notre Dame. We need to get rid of him. So um, before the game, Newt Rockney had said, and said the Giants were heavy but slow. And he told the team, to go out there, score two or three touchdowns on passes, and then just don't get hurt. But Notre Dame were just never in the game. The Giants led like early on, and they shut them out 22-0. Newt Rockney um, asked, um, asked the Giants to just kind of go easy on them um, at halftime, because it was just a total mismatch. And it was for the first time when people would have read in newspapers kind of the next day across America because everyone was interested because it was Notre Dame. People weren't interested because it was the Giants. It was all about Notre Dame. And then they see that Notre Dame had lost 22 nothing to the Giants. And at that point, people started to look at the NFL as, oh, maybe this isn't substandard football. Maybe actually these are the best college players taking their game to the next level, which now we take for granted. But in the 1930s, that wasn't always the, the prevailing wisdom. And I'd never heard anything about this game. And it was absolutely huge. It meant that the NFL was shown as being the best form of football, but also that they had done something to help, you know, the kind of the wider community. So it was such a positive impression of the NFL. Um, and I, maybe I was just ignorant but it might well be that lots of people don't know about that particular game in 1930. Um, my favourite, um, I mentioned the Pottsville Maroons earlier, and it's probably the story of the, of the Pottsville Maroons and the championship that they should have won. So um, in the early days, there was, no, uh, there was no championship game. It would just be whoever was you know, top of the table, basically. But they wouldn't all play the same teams. And they would sometimes play teams outside the NFL and those wouldn't count in the standings. You know, total chaos. But this is how they would kind of make their money. So um, the season basically ended. The pot top and the Chicago Cardinals were second. And then Pottsville wanted to play a game against former Notre Dame players. You may notice a theme here and what a big draw Notre Dame were. 
So they were going to play these Notre Dame players in Philadelphia. But the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, I don't know if there's any big Frankfurt Yellow Jackets fans listening, but the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets said this game shouldn't take place um, because it's being played in Philadelphia. It's too close to us. We've got territorial rights. You can't just, you know, come in and play a game that close, especially when we've got a game on. So the NFL just kicked the Pots and Maroons out of the league. They didn't say, you know, oh, you know, please don't. they just kicked them out. And they decided the Chicago Cardinals are the champions now. But the Cardinals were like, uh, I don't know about this, guys. Um, we're not the best team. It looks bad if we're the champions. So they refused the title. So for eight years, there was no 1925 champion. It was just blank. But then um, it was the Cardinals were bought by the Bidwell family and said, ooh, uh, that 1925 championship, um, we'll take that, actually. That was ours. And the NFL were like, yeah, fine, as far as we're concerned, who cares? So the, the thing that I like about it, the reason it's my favorite thing, is that it's never really been forgotten, and it's still a sticking point. So in 1963, the NFL had to hold a special vote on whether the championship should go back to Pottsville. Now, this is 30 years after the Cardinals started claiming it, and 38 years after that season had even taken place. And they had this big vote at the owners' meeting, but the Cardinals won 14 votes to two, so the Cardinals kept it. I mean, that would be crazy enough that in 1963 they were doing it. But in 2003, owners were again bringing it up in the owners' meetings. You know, they go off to, like, Arizona or wherever. They sit around and they talk about rule changes and this sort of stuff. And somebody brought up the 1925 NFL championship and how it should actually be Pottsville's championship. So once again, in 03, this millennium, they put it to a vote. This time, the Cardinals won 30 to 2. Now, it's probably never going to get brought up again, I would guess. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty convincing. And the only two teams that keep voting for Pottsville are the Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles because Pottsville um, was a Pennsylvania team. And you may as well keep the people in Pottsville happy. But that, to me, nothing summed up how the NFL is this kind of living, breathing organism um, <laughs> than the fact that in 03, they were still trying to figure out who won the 1925 NFL championship, that they're sitting in a room, these billionaires, arguing over who should do it. I love it. That's my favourite thing. That and the Wizenator. But I'll <laughs> let other people figure out the Wizenator. Definitely do. You never know, Ben. If 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 one of the GMs picks up your book oh, and happens to read that again, they might would, think, "Well, hang on." I would love that. I want. I, that's it. Now, this is my this is my thing. I want the Pottsville Maroons to get the 1925 NFL Championship, and I'm just going to assume that most NFL owners are listening to this podcast, and that they need to do something about this. They've got to right this wrong. I I will say, and so um, the author James Elroy. He's doing a book tour at the moment. So, you know, he's a novelist. He's, his most famous book is L.A. Confidential. Um, I interviewed him um, in Hollywood about five or so years ago, maybe longer. And we talked about, about sport. He's not much of a sports fan. But I was saying I was a big fan of the Chicago Bears. He only really likes boxing. But we talked a little bit about my love of the Chicago Bears. And he just finished a draft of um, what was then his new book. So then months and months later, the book is released and I got a, I got a preview copy. 
and it's set in the 1940s and there's a mention of the Chicago Bears in the book now when I was talking about the Chicago Bears surely if he'd already put the Chicago Bears in the book he would have mentioned to me oh there's a mention of the Bears in the book even though I'm not interested in the NFL I mentioned the Bears but it didn't come up I can only think but it just puts some seed in his head. The Bears dominated the 1940s, and he's writing about the 1940s, that that's why he put the Bears in. So it would, if, if somehow the Pottsville Maroons can get this NFL championship, that will, that will top that moment of something I've written, something in a book has had an influence in the wider world. So fingers crossed. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it yeah. happen. Listen, yeah. Last year, I called for <laughs> I called for Mark Sanchez to be put on a team, and it happened. So you know, oh, so you're the one. Well, we can give it a go. We, you never know what might happen. We can tell you that not all uh, GMs uh, or owners listen because I've been calling uh, the New York Giants to appoint me as their GM and save them from Gettleman, and I've yet to receive a phone call or an email or a tweet from them. So it might be a salary issue. Nah. Uh, because you would definitely be worth more than they, whatever they're paying him. Because I'll, I'll take less than insane. what he's on. I, listen, I'll take less as long as I can bring my own posse over. I'll include you in that posse, and then you'll have the influence to get the, the Pottsville oh, Maroon. Finally. <laughs> finally. We'll give you um, a launch pad. i got to say, Mark Sanchez is a much more intelligent player than people want to give him credit for. Yes, the Bucks fumble is in the book. No, he was not the greatest quarterback, although for the most part, he was, he was a very competent quarterback. But he is a real student of the game. And I've actually got a lot more time for Mark Sanchez than most other people. So kudos to you for not just jumping on Mark Sanchez for unfair reasons, if, unless you were doing it for comedy. No, no, no. I, well, partly, but I, I, I do think he's a competent quarterback. I'm with you. The guy went to two AFC championship games. Like at the end of the day, there's certain quarterbacks in the, in the game that you look at and you might not have the biggest affinity for their skill level, etc. Eli Manning is one that I'm publicly not a big fan of, but you have to respect the guy won two Super Bowls and you can talk about the defense getting him over the line and all this and that, but you still have to get them there. And, you know, I think Eli is past his best and, I don't think he's a starting quarterback caliber anymore, but you can't deny that the guy was worthy of his shirt the same way that Mark Sanchez is worthy of his. And, you know, I think some players just get, you know, they have this one comedy moment and uh, it happens. The the one thing in the book I was really hoping you were going to put in, Ben, and you didn't, was the day that Brad Johnson caught his own touchdown pass. Yeah, no, I, I there, there are so many lovely moments that, uh, that could have gone in so um i'm not sure what date that was that happened i'd have to then look and see what did i put in instead of that and i'll see if i'm filled with regret because yeah i i i like those things um obviously the you know the butt fumble went in so yeah cool. Know. <laughs> yeah i just thought the first the first player ever to catch his own uh touchdown pass unfortunately marcus Mariota then uh achieved that feat i think it was two years ago um might be three but yeah, for a long time, he was the only player to have caught his own touchdown pass, which I just think is amazing. I'm tempted to update the book, actually. I can, just, I can actually kind of write an update and just kind of like re-upload it to Amazon. And um, anyone who then buys it after that will just have that and be none the wiser that it wasn't in. And people, who, people who've bought it can... So I think it, it 
can send out an email saying there's a new version of this book. Um, click here and you'll get the, the revised version. And then people, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to then read it through a second time and be like, oh, wait there, Brad Johnson was in it. But you never know. I, I'm, temp I'm tempted to do it because I do like it, actually. And I could, you could probably do it in a paragraph. So it's not an insane amount of work. That'd be amazing. Hey, if it happens, let us know. But <laughs> no, I, I, that's, that's one of my favorite stories of all time. So, Ben, the book's been out a week. Uh, you've had a week off. What's next for Ben Isaacs? Oh, man. Um, well, I'm trying to get the decking done in the garden. So um, there's that. No, um, professionally, I, I don't know. Um, as soon as I finished this book, I thought, okay, well, I'm never going to write another book again my brother's written like three books but if you put all three of them together they'd be thinner than this one um but you know sizes and everything um but i in the last couple of days i i've been thinking about a particular book idea which i'm kind of trying to talk myself out of because i don't think i want the hassle but it'd be nowhere near as complicated as this and it would be much shorter and it'd probably be a bit more fun it's just, and I, I'm not going to give anything away. Um, it's whether it would be worth reading. I mean, I don't think the book exists, but the information would be out there. It wouldn't be as unique as this one. It might just be something I would enjoy doing and I'd put out there and people would enjoy and get something out of. And that might be enough, frankly. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm currently trying to plan a holiday without thinking about a book um and that that seems just bliss yeah. well i don't blame you at all well in the meantime ben why don't you let rush nation and our listeners know where to find you and where to get the book and where you are on twitter and so forth you can find me um on twitter with the handle at tweets from ben um i've not been as active uh in the last month or so because of the book and at the moment i'm just kind of like pushing the book um, but especially once, um, once I'm out of that mode, you can enjoy all my NFL hot takes. Um, and if you, uh, if you're interested in the book, you can go to nflhistorybook.com, um, and you'll find where you can get it. Um, I've discovered that if you've got, um, if you've got Kindle Unlimited, which is a special, um, Kindle subscription service, if you've got that, or you've got Amazon Prime and have an Amazon device such as a tablet or a Kindle, then you can actually read the book for free. Um, so Kindle Unlimited, you can just get access to loads and loads of books for free. And if you've got Amazon Prime and a suitable device, then there's something called the Kindle Owners Lending Library, where like, you can get one book a month. Um, I think you can keep it for longer than a month, but you can only get one a month. Um, so you, if you've got those things, you can actually read the book for free. I still actually get paid for that. Don't think that's, you're doing me out of money. That's what I was going to say, because the one yeah, thing yeah. I was going to say was that even if you don't have Kindle Unlimited, you can get a free one-month trial. So you yes. can sign up to Kindle Unlimited, get a free one-month trial. You can read Ben's book for nothing, but he still gets paid, which is important in this, because I wasn't going to mention it otherwise. And we'll post the link in the show notes. So you don't even have to pay to read this. You can just, you know, take advantage of it and read it. Ben gets paid and you get all the knowledge and the content uh, to enjoy. And you've got a month to read it. And, and that should be hopefully enough time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I want people to just enjoy the book. And if, 
if if you don't want to spend the money on it and you want to read it, everyone will still benefit because you'll still enjoy it. Amazon clearly thinks you're going to keep your trial even if you're not. Um, and if you read it all the way through the book, I mean, basically, I get paid depending on how much of the book you read. If you read the whole book, then I get paid the maximum amount, for example. If you get halfway through and you don't like it, then I'd only get paid half. But then you haven't enjoyed it that much. Fine. That seems a fair trade off. Um, so, yeah, that information is there on NFLHistoryBook.com. Um, you can it's at the moment it's a Kindle. Well, it's an Amazon exclusive um, but obviously you can read Kindle books on c- any computer, any tablet, any phone. It doesn't have to be an Amazon device. doesn't have to be an Amazon Kindle, although Amazon Kindles are lovely. Um, you can read it on pretty much anything. Um, and you'll also find me cropping up on podcasts. You said about the NFL show with Nat Coombs. He's a longtime friend of mine. He's, uh, it's great that we've been working together for so long. And fingers crossed, if everything works out, regular on Talk Sports NFL coverage on Sunday nights. And um, we get a lot of tweets during that broadcast. So there's a lot, we know there's a lot of people who are watching the games on games pa- Game Pass or Sky with the sound down and having us on in the background to keep them up to date with everything that's going on and kind of getting a UK perspective on things and kind of feeling part of that. UK community so you're able to have all your games you're probably on Twitter talking with everybody you can have talk sports and hear us talking about what's going on and you've kind of got everything so um, hopefully you won't be able to escape me during the season and you wouldn't want to who would want to <laughs> that's what I was going to say isn't that nobody, nobody <laughs> would want to um but yeah, it's been it's been brilliant talking to you. Uh, thanks again for giving us an advanced copy. We really, I personally, yeah, really enjoyed it. I know Stocks did too. We were talking about it and sending messages backwards and forwards. So um, yeah, big, big fans of, of the book, big fans of, of what you do and, and the work that you do and your college takes when you're on the uh, the NFL pub with Nat are, are top notch because I, I watch a fair bit of college, haven't gone to uni over there. So um, yeah, love it. Um, really appreciate what you do. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for just, having a fun hour or so talking about the NFL and thanks for helping spread the word about the book because I think word of mouth is, is the way books like this sell. It's that, you know, people, similar people to you like it and that you'll give it a go. I think that's much more effective than advertising. I think people want to know what real people with similar interests think. So it's a great endorsement and I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, Ben. This has been an absolute pleasure. Murph, I will catch you next week, a little later than the schedule because it is your birthday, but we'll talk about that next week. Ben, I'm sure we'll talk soon. But until next week, Russian Asian, keep rushing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.